Welcome back to Chaplain Chad's podcast. This morning we're going to be looking at Galatians. We're going to start a new study for the next six weeks in the study of Galatians or a sermon series on Galatians. We're going to call this steadfast, stand fast. Uh, today we're going to look at standing fast or stand fast in the gospel. It's going to be out of Galatians chapter 1 this week. Uh, If you will, follow along with me, verses 1 through 5. And it says this, Paul, an apostle, not from men, uh, or through, uh, not from man, men, or through man, uh, but through Jesus Christ and God, the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me. Then grace... Uh, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father uh, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that we that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. First of all, when we think about standing fast uh, in our in the gospel, what we must understand is one, our commission. What is our commission? The commission that our preaching of the gospel or that our our place in Christianity, our calling from God, uh, comes from God and not man. It comes because of God, not because of anything that we have done. So first of all, we must understand in verses 1 through 5, our commission. Notice that Paul calls himself apostle. Uh, This is his favorite designation. He calls himself an apostle in eight of the 12 books that he wrote. But he also calls himself And I think this is good for us, too, that we are prisoners of God uh, or for Christ. Uh, Some uh, in other world, in other countries, are prisoners because they are Christians. Uh, he, he, He calls himself a prisoner in Philemon. He calls himself a slave in Philippians and Romans and in his book, Titus. The apostle, in the, the, the most general sense of the word, means a sent one, to send or to dispatch. Uh, in the strictest terms, it's, it's the twelve apostles that uh, lived in, with Jesus, saw Jesus' resurrected body, and was sent by Jesus. But Paul is, is saying that uh, him and Christians are ambassadors, one who has been sent for the service of another. And this is an interesting fact. Uh, in a moment, we'll get to that. But in the classical Greek sense of the word apostle, it's, it, it, it was used in the sense that uh, the, the king was going to send a naval uh, expedition to send away from the king's land to another land, to send off on a long, arduous, or strenuous, a tiring, and a tough mission. Uh, Paul says, in essence, Jesus could come back to this earth, and Jesus could walk back on this land, and he could go and 
tell people that he is the Messiah, but he's no longer going to do this. When he resurrected from the dead and he ascended to, to, to God the Father, he is going to stay there and he is going to send us believers out to share the gospel. He is sending us on that designated trip. He is sending us with the good news to telling other people about Jesus. Sometimes this is tiring, sometimes this is hard, and sometimes this is strenuous. And, and, and it may not be strenuous in that you're going to go to prison over, or that you may be persecuted over. But what it might mean is that people are going to look at you different. People may not accept you for who you are. We must come to grips with our designation. We are Christ-like. We are to be the representative for Jesus. In other words, we are God's conduit of grace, of his message. He could have used anything and anyone, but he chose to use us, fallen vessels. Second of all, Paul says that in verses 3 through 4, Uh, That we have a declaration. There is a reason why we are the apostles of God. Uh, And that is that we're going to declare something. Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself uh, for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of the God of our God and Father, to whom... Be glory forever and ever. Amen. The psalmist says in Psalm 40 verse 2, He drew me up out of the desolate pit, out of the miry bog. He set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. We as Christians have experienced this. We have walked on shaky ground. We have lived in desolate lives. We have slipped in the miry bug. We had found ourselves in the pit looking up. And when we looked up and we found God and he placed our feet on the solid ground to deliver us from this evil age, we have a purpose to call, to share, with someone else. The rich tones of the transforming grace mingled uh, with the groans of the helpless sufferer. This grace leads to a a peace with God. Uh, uh, The war between fallen humanity and the holy God has been settled on a cross. Our neighbors and our families and even our enemies no longer have to be at each other's throat. They can have a peace that passes all understanding. The NEB translates this this passage, verse 4, as who sacrificed himself for our sins. Paul is reminding us that Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 10, verse 45, that says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come on this earth to set himself up on a kingdom. He did not come here to be awed and wild and to be the rock star that we so much look to 
for inspiration. Rather, he came to serve, to give us an example of what that service is going to look like. And the service that he gives us is for one reason. That he may ransom our lives, that he may pay the debt that he did not owe. Our friends are looking for ways to get out of their lives. They're looking at, 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 at the debt that they owe. Not physical debt, but, but emotional debt. Spiritual debt. And they don't know where to go to find relief at. And we have that. It's called the gospel. Again, Paul is reminding us of the picture in verse in Isaiah 53 of the suffering servant. How the Messiah bore our iniquities and how he was carried our sorrows and how through being smitten he was crushed by God's righteous judgment. Our declaration is one of deliverance which means rescuing from danger. Just as God delivered Joseph and Israel from Egypt, just as Peter was delivered from prison and how Paul was delivered from the belligerent mob in Jerusalem, Jesus comes to deliver us from the captivity of sin and hell forever. Verse 5, we have a doxology. Why do we come to church? Why do we get to praise God? Why is God so worthy? Because it is through Jesus, through the work of Jesus, that he is worthy of our praise. Verse 5 again says, To whom be all glory, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He gets his glory. Because... He has redeemed us. His work is finished. His price is paid. The very ones that he created, the very ones who fell and despised him, he gave his life that some will come to him. We must never forget our calling and our sitting does not come from man nor through organizations. The calling of salvation and the sending by God is something that we get not from humans or human organizations. Many of us have confessed Jesus at a church and we have prayed with the pastor, but neither the church nor the pastor has given us the salvation, nor do they give us the message by which we must preach. Our salvation is the work of God through Jesus and our sending comes only by God. Those, there are those who hold to organizations closer than they hold to the one who saved them. Our commissioning comes not from the, or comes from the one who gave himself for our sins. We get to represent that individual who gave us peace. Second of all, we must understand and the gospel gives us these convictions that we must hold on to. Verses 6 through 10 it says, I marvel that you are turning away so quickly, so soon, from him who called you into the grace of Christ. 
to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have proclaimed or preached to you, let him be accursed. And as we have said before, and now say again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. For I do not, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant to Christ. We must understand our conviction. Our conviction is to a divine gospel, not to a demonic gospel, not to a different gospel. Paul says that we have been called to a gospel, to a peace, to a grace. Uh, that call uh, is, is to a definite purpose. It refers to the act of calling uh, so that he or she might hear, come, and do that which is incumbent upon him or her. We weren't called to Christ so that we could live in freedom to do as we want and to celebrate the things that we desire. Rather, we were called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to look more like Jesus today than we did when we first came to him. We are to become the billboards for Jesus Christ, not for ourselves. When we go on vacations, we should have signs on ourselves that says we are Christians. We're going to look different, act different, speak different, think different, be different than those around us. When we go to school, when we go to work, when we go to play, when we listen to music and when we go to movies, we should be different. When God called, he did so with a specific purpose. This calling comes with the specific purpose to participate in the revelation of grace. What is so beautiful about this is that, that the grace that we have experienced, we get to share with someone else. The peace that we have with ourselves and with those around us and with God is something that we get to proclaim to other people. James tells us that the reason why we have wars is because we want our own way. But when we give way to Christ, we don't war with ourselves no more. We don't war with our spouses no more. We don't war with our employers no more. Why? Because we realize that it's not about me. It's about God. It's about the other person. We've seen these past two years how people try to wiggle their way into the church with something other than the gospel. What Paul was saying is that, that, that he and the Galatians were saved by God's grace, not by works. When Paul was saved, he buried his ethnic pride. He buried his educational achievements. He buried his skin color 
Matter of fact, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord. Paul is reminding us how important it is to be personally grounded in Christ, in our Christian walk. He does this by using a word called marvelous or marvel. I marvel at how quickly he's astounded, amazed at how quickly they have deserted the one who called them. Marvel is a is a unique word in the Greek. It's it means hoping for better things to come. In other words, what he's saying is is that they have tasted the good news of Jesus Christ. They've they've tasted the freedom from guilt and shame and sin, and and then these people snuck in and said, hey, we got something better than that. We've experienced this sometime in our life. You order a drink at, at, at a restaurant. Maybe you're a sweet tea drinker and, 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 and you've ordered a sweet tea and, and you get the tea and the, the waitress or the waiter brings it back and, and you take a drink and Oh, it's unsweet tea. You were hoping for it to be what it was, but it wasn't. That's exactly what Paul was saying. You were hoping that what you were going to get was better than what you ordered, what you received. There is nothing greater than the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter how much we as humans want to believe that our work is better than God's grace, it doesn't compare. Maybe they wanted to be like the world. By turning away, uh, which is to say by replacing the gospel that nailed their sin to the cross and removing their guilt before God and replacing it with the gospel that places them in the driver's seat. Their desires. We see this, I think, sometimes in, in, in the Christian celebrities who have walked away from the faith. They proclaimed forever that they have experienced how great God is. But at the very moment that, that hard times come, when their music no longer brings them fame, when their status no longer brings them uh, words of, of, of niceties, they trade it in and say that their faith failed them. The divine gospel doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from our works. It's a free gift. Paul says that they left this divine gift from to a different gospel that's really not different. Paul uses the word heteros mean different. It's it's different than than what what God has given to us. Paul says that 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 it's it's not only 
describing two different types of gospels, he's referring to it's the difference, not only the difference, but but it's different in, in character. Freedom versus captivity. Freedom versus earning. Liberty versus licentiousness. Paul says that they exchanged the grace of God for the works of man. According to 1 Timothy verse chapter 4, we read about these doctrines of demons. Ephesians 4 tells us chapter 2, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 tells us that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. What we know is that there are two types of doctrines in this world. You are either for God or against God. There are either divine doctrines or demonic doctrines. And the divine doctrines are completely different than the demonic ones. The demonic ones are all about what we want, how we feel, how it pleases us. And, and the divine doctrines are all about giving God the glory and receiving His grace because of what He did, because of who He is, and because of His love. It's about Him. And demonic devices or, 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 or doctrines are about us. They're diametrically opposed. The second word that Paul uses here is alas. It means other gospel. Paul says that that it's not even a gospel. <laughs> what what is what is another gospel? The gospel of uh, of of Jesus, the good news of Jesus is that he did everything. That's that's what we look for. We can't atone for our own sin. We need someone else to do it. This other gospel says, hey, it's good news that you're able to do it. Do what? We are at that point in this world. It's all about me. It's all about us. It's all about how I can benefit from this. It's all about what I've done. Look at me. <laughs> Today, uh, we're looking at this exact same thing. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel is this. That Jesus died on the cross according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the good news. Uh, according to the scriptures. There's no other news that compares to that. Today, whether you're in church or out of church, whether you're a Christian or not, you've heard the statement that, that all religions lead to the same place. They're... They're fundamentally the same, but they are superficially different. That is completely wrong. It's more correct to say that all religions are at best superficially similar, but fundamentally different. 
And why are they fundamentally different? Because although they all proclaim to have a God, they don't. But fundamentally, those gods that they proclaim to have and the paths that they get to heaven in are completely different. They're all works-based. It's all based on my past. It's all built on my pedigree. It's all built on how I did things. Whereas the gospel of Jesus Christ is about Him and trusting Him. That's why Jesus tells us in John chapter 4 and John chapter 3 that we must be born again because our nature is sinful and we need a new nature. Paul continues to, to talk about there are, that these people should be accursed. There's two times that Paul or two, two groups that Paul uses this this accursing to. The first group is we read in 1 Corinthians 16.22, it says, Anyone who does not love the Lord is accursed. The second group is false teachers. Here in verses 8 and 9, Paul says that they are accursed. Why are they accursed? Because they're preaching something that is fundamentally different than the gospel of Jesus Christ. These people have tasted the good news. They've tasted the freedom. They've tasted the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And now they are being led to believe and to try to earn their own salvation. That is not good news. That is bad news. That is hard news. That is impossible news. Paul says, finally, that we need to understand our conversion. Verses 11 through 20, uh, 24, Paul says this, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which is preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persuaded, persecuted the church, of God beyond measure and try to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation and being more exceedingly jealous for the traditions of my father. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with the flesh and blood uh, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to any of those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia, and I returned again to Jerusalem. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and, remind, and, and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none other apostles except for James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Afterwards, I went up to the regions of uh, Syria and Sicilia, and I was unknown by face to the churches in Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only, he who fervently or formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And now they glorify God in me.
Paul is asking, who am I trying to please? I think that's, that's a very important question that we have to answer today. Am I here to please God or am I here to please man? And if I'm here to please God, it's going to rub people the wrong way. They're not going to like me. They're not going to like you. You're not going to talk like them. You're not going to think like them. You're not going to watch the things that they watch. You're not going to go to the places that they go. You might be a loner. And that is okay. God is not a genie to rub for eternal security. The gospel is not a lucky rabbit's foot that we carry for good luck. The gospel is an event that has eternal consequences. We need to remember that our audience is not our boss. It's not our self-image. It's not our self-esteem. It's not our goal to be like everyone else. Our audience is God. And when we stand before him, we not only, we, he will not only say, have we pleased everyone? He is not going to ask us how big our friendship circle was, what our bank account looked like, or even what our church attendance was. He's going to ask, did we honor him with our life? Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body and they cannot touch the soul. Fear only God who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Our conduct. Paul tells us that, that his life before Christ was different than his life after Christ. Paul had to, to face that. Matter of fact, Jesus told him that, that he would suffer many things because of his previous life. His life before Christ. Paul, Paul's conduct, our conduct before Christ, may have consequences since our conversion. But our conduct should be different since our life in Christ. Paul in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 tells us through the Holy Spirit that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, by the Holy Spirit, says, Surely there is no one righteous, not one righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. But our conduct must change. Our attitudes must change. Our way of life needs to change and Paul says that his did he spent time with some coaches first of all he spent 14 years in the Arabia Jesus was his coach Jesus was his disciple disciple maker Jesus was the one who who shared what Paul needed to know Christianity is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Billy Graham was asked if he had to do it all over again, what would he do different? And his response was this. If I knew that God was coming back in three days, I'd study 
two days. And I'd share the gospel one day. Too many times we we want to be out amongst the people and, and forget about studying the Word of God. That's why in the recent studies, 84% of the people interviewed believe that God helps those who help themselves is a, is a, is a Bible verse. It's because they don't know the Bible. Paul went on to say that he visited with Peter to tell him the gospel that he was preaching, Paul was preaching, make sure that they were on the same page. And then he went to James and went and spent time with James to confer with James, the Lord's brother. Why? Because they wanted to make sure that they were on the same page. And in doing so, Paul went then to Syria and Caesarea to preach the gospel. The gospel that he didn't gain from men, but that he got from God. And the discipleship that he learned from God and through man he shared. Today I want to encourage you that you too are personally grounded, standing fast in the gospel. God bless.